Hello and welcome to the Behind the Badge Football's Hidden Gems podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Toby, and I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Alicia and Michael, later in the show. Today's episode is about the first club from the Arctic Circle to reach a UEFA group stage. Of course, I'm talking about Norway's Bodo Glimt. I have a great interview lined up for you today. Nicholas Auna Jonsson is the the host of Bodo Glimp's official podcast, lifelong fan and expert in all you need to know about the Northern Norwegian club. I do apologise in advance for the audio quality. It isn't as good as I would have liked, but it was the best we could do. And the story is just amazing of this, this truly incredible club and the turnaround that it's had. So me, Alicia and Michael will rejoin you after the interview and I hope you enjoy it. So see you later. The first question that I like to ask everyone on the podcast is um, how long have you been supporting Bader Glimt and what does the club mean to you? I'm supporting Bader for um, how long is it? 11 years. Um, no, 21, sorry. 21 years. And I started when my father I took me for a game in 2002, and since that day, I've been a huge fan. So, to answer your last question, it means everything to me. It's, it's just, it's not only a part of my life, it's, it is my life. Wow, that was, that was very powerful. Um, So, I wanted to go through the the history of Edo Glimp first, and... Um, well, as you definitely already know, northern Norwegian clubs use well used to not be allowed in the top division. So, how does that history play a big role in the club being well in the early days, really the leading force for northern Norway? Uh, yeah, I mean it's um, it's obvious uh, thing that still is. It's a part of our history. We um, together with several other teams from the North Norway were weren't allowed, as you say, to, to compete in the Norwegian League or in the Cup. Um, and uh, that was, of course, long before I was a part of the club or, or, or even a part of this world. But but I mean, it's uh, you. Could, I think it's, it's, it's kind of you can imagine yourself, right? If your club wasn't allowed to compete uh, with the other teams in in your uh, uh, country because of the region, yeah. that uh, fun. It's it's not a thing that mm, some no one in Norway should be proud of. Um, and of course, the, that it's a part of the history and it's a part of where we are today. Uh, it makes everything more special. It made the the, the first United was the first team from the North of Norway who went up in the top league in Norway. Uh, that was special. And Brilliant won the cup as the first modern Norwegian team. That was special. And when Brilliant uh, three years ago became the first modern Norwegian team to win the league, that was something special. And it really will always be because of that history, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like you like you mentioned, Bedo Glimt recently, they've had a lot of success um, winning the league and everything. But what was it like just before then when the club was going through promotions, relegations? It was sort of like a roller coaster of emotions. 
yeah, and that's yeah, how my life as a building support for us from, uh, yeah, for almost 20 years. Um, we had some good seasons, uh, serving at the second place here and there. Uh, they won the cup the year I was born, and that was the last time we even won the cup, so I can't, uh, I can't, uh, say I remember much of that, but, uh, it was like there were some good years, of course, I always, uh, came along with like 20 years, 10 years uh, apart from each other. But uh, after, uh, yeah, and it was just normal. We knew that if we had a good season, the next season would be tough because we're so little players. Um, and yeah. if we went down, you knew that it's not, it's not guaranteed that we will go straight back up again uh, because there's other good teams, um, as we know from history, uh, we can stay in, in the second half for five years now. And when we got up again, we knew that this is not going to last. We're probably going down again. But then suddenly, uh, for us, it felt like just uh, changed uh, throughout the night, you know what I mean? And then we probably had a really, really good season in 2019. Uh, we became two, number two in the league. And then it was like, everyone's just, okay, now we took the save medal in the league. Uh, we're probably going to get relegated next season because that was how things used to be. And then we didn't. We, didn't, we uh, won the league um, with a goal scoring record that we'll never have a team won more games, never have a team get more points. So uh, it was a record-breaking team that season, and um, yeah, the success just continued. It's it's uh, quite surrealistic and, and and something special to be a part of. Yeah, I really wanted to talk about that season in specific uh, specifically the the record-breaking season. I mean, how how did it feel to go from you know a club promoted, relegated? to just suddenly complete domination of the domestic competition? It's unbelievable. Uh, I remember um, we had a good season, as I said, in 2019, uh, but we were still far away from Molda. Uh, that season, I think, 15 points or something like that. And I remember uh, 2020 was a really special season as well because of the corona situation. Um, and the season were postponed for normally the Norwegian yeah. season. Starts in March, April in 2020. It started in June, I think, June or July, in the middle of the summer, anyway. And uh, I remember we played week in a row. Uh, we, we scored the first goal, but then they scored two. And I was like, okay. So last year we won. We, you know, we battered Viking. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, okay, now we're losing against Viking and everything is back to normal. Uh, but then we turned the game around, we won 4-2, uh, great second half. And next yeah. round, we're pretty soon at home, we're winning 6-0. And then two games, we scored 10 goals, uh, the two first game of the season. And uh, that was like, you still didn't believe that this would last. You know, you were just walking around waiting for uh, hitting the face and then mm. back down again. And I remember, I think it was round four, and in the third round, we beat Rosenberg away, but we didn't done like only three times in, during the uh, time of the club, and the history of the club. So that was something special, of course. But then I remember we played Brown at home and we were up 4 0 before 20 minutes were gone. 
um, 20, 30 minutes, something like that. But then I remember, like, this could actually, this could actually be something. And, but still, you didn't believe it until, because uh, Molda had a great start as well that season. They won the first uh, nine games, I think, uh, or they won nine games without losing. Uh, we won the first ten. Um, yeah. In the 10th game, we played Molda at Osmina. They were up 1-0 and we turned around and won that game 3-1. And then I just realized that we're actually... Uh, we can do this. And, yeah, that was the moment. I don't know. I think maybe it's... Uh, of course, you can compare it to what Leicester did in the Premier League. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people draw that comparison. Uh, I think Leicester is a bigger club in England than Brilliant used to be in Norway. Uh, but still, I think one year before they won the league, uh, Leicester, they were almost going down. Uh, yeah. So it's quite like kind of the same thing, but um, it's just something we thought that never will ever going to happen and uh, we continued that season winning 26 games one lose and three draws uh, so wow. we almost won every game uh, we played a great game away against us uh, Milan in uh, the Euro uh, Europa League qualification as well uh, losing that with one goal uh, and that was because of COVID we only played one game in the, in, uh, the qualifying so I think if we had played Arsenal awesome at home as well, that season we probably would go to the group stage because we were uh, we were actually a better team than them. Yeah. So it was um, yeah, it was um, really special season. Uh, something I will remember until the day I die. That's really good. And um, say so like, oh, time and time again, people and even you were saying it, you would think, oh, this is the season where it goes back to normal. But every single time, you seem to prove everyone wrong. What? Why do you think that is? What do you think it is with the club that now they can just achieve that constant success while still selling quite a few players every season? It's not because of me. I can tell you that. Uh, but <laughs> there's, uh, there's people around here who really uh, go to work every day to get better. Um yeah, nice as well, of course. But there's there's people here who really believe that if we do things better today than we did yesterday, uh, and you do that every day, uh, you'll get really good. Uh, you know what I mean? And and uh, and of course now, uh, after four years in the top of the table, uh, we're. A bigger club we played in Europe uh, two years in a row now uh, so there's more money here now uh, and we know that money is a great factor in football to achieve things so it's better play, better players and everything but before I think uh, they had a really uh, well, if you lose a player we sold Philip uh, Sintenagel uh, or uh, we lost him to Watford after that season in 2020 he had something around 30 uh, goal points, goals and assists yeah. uh, that season. The best player in the league, the best one of the best players we've ever seen in this league. Uh, yeah. Just find a new guy and put him in. And, and because they don't go after names or whatever, they go after the same kind of player 
Uh, so they know that this guy could do the same as Philip Sinkinati did um, uh, his way, and they do. Um, so that's a part of the risk see here, um, how they search for new players and everything. But um, if I knew the answer to how they actually do it, uh, I probably would uh, uh, be rich now, wouldn't I? So uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so than like you've also mentioned uh, it's not just domestically where you've done well you've gone toe-to-toe with AC Milan but there's one specific game I wanted to speak to you about you probably know which one I'm about to talk about um the game against Roma in Norway mm-hmm. um would you say that's arguably the best result in photo glimpse history the 6-1 win if it's yeah I know it's the game is I get these things when we talk about it. The game is um, up there with, with like, but I think like if you're talking about the biggest game, the best games, the greatest achievements, I, I don't think you could compare anything that we've ever done to the uh, to the '75 uh, when they won the cup as the first time with Northern Norwegian team to win the cup because that's something really special. And that's something that meant a lot to yeah. Everyone. But the game against Roma at Osmina uh, in 2021 uh, is something because it was so unbelievable. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. We knew we had a good team, but we were struggling a little bit in the league that season. We won the league uh, at the end, but uh, in the summer it was difficult. We lost against Legia. Versailles uh, in uh, in the qualification for the Champions League. So against the good teams, we hadn't done uh, too good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, Roma shows up here, which is the biggest club who's ever been here at that point. Uh, with um, like I I work in the media uh, department in Berlin, and I we have we have three people. I mean Roma, there was just there were twenty people only for press uh-huh. and media. Yeah. So it was just uh, it was surreal to just to watch them anyway because there was a big, big, massive club, and of course they had uh, Jose Mourinho as a coach, which is uh, the biggest coach like name uh, in football, one of the biggest names in football. And um, they were talking about. I remember the the night they came to us. You know, they were talking about the artificial grass. They were talking about the weather. It was a Believe me, it was a terrible match. Uh, the uh-huh. weather so cold and snowy. This was in October. Um, but I remember going home uh, that night, night before the game and thinking, I think they already lost this game. Uh, I remember one of the players said to a teammates, they came out for the, um, uh, for the training, the official training the night before the game, and he said, um, it's our fucking fault we have to play this fucking game. <laughs> and I realized, okay, you lost the game. You have no chance if this is if this is what you're showing up with, this attitude, you will lose the game. Yeah. But um, it, it's still a good team, you know what I mean? And uh, we scored more the goal after seven minutes, I think, and then 10 minutes, 12 minutes later, we scored another. Um, and they scored just before halftime. I remember thinking when they scored, yeah, okay, that's it. Uh, now they've turned this game around and we've forever been talking, 
uh, talking about the time we were up to know against Roma. Uh, I remember a team, the team in Norway called Odd, they played a game against Borussia Dortmund in the qualification some years ago. I think it was 2016 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they were up 3-0 uh, after the first half. They played a really good half, but they lost the game 4-3. And I remember oh, wow. that. Now they're still talking about that game. <laughs> the first half against uh, Borussia Dortmund. And I just realized this is what we will do as well. We'll just talk about the first half against Rob when we were up 2-0. <laughs> and uh, Jose Mourinho just subbed in all the best players. Um, I don't remember the names, but this the, the player playing for um, the striker from Chelsea, uh, Abraham, something like that. Pellegrini. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tommy Abraham. Yeah. Uh, and then 45 minutes later, it was 6-1. And we, I've never seen a team so devastated. I, like, they, they had nothing. They had nothing, right? Uh, and I think it was a part of the attitude. The part they they just they they had they lost the game when they left Roma that um, that morning. I think because they they didn't want to be here, and we could obviously see. And um, but we played a really good game. I mean, it was and and I think yeah, people uh, here will remember this night forever, of course. And um, yeah, I think also. Jose Mourinho will remember this night for the rest of his life. And I think it still bothered him. Um, and I think it will do forever because uh, he was not a happy man after that game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like like you said, you worked in, you work in media and that 6-1 win, uh, well, it definitely got my attention. It got attention of people across Europe and the world, really. So how has Glimp's unbelievable success meant that, like, have you noticed that there's a lot more people following the club and interested in it? Uh, yeah, of course uh, there is. And I think uh, for me as a press officer here, we, I get a lot of uh, phone calls and, and emails from people who or journalists around the world who want to do stories and, and uh, features and do them. That was never before. Um, yeah. But I think it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a big deal, you know what I mean? There's not like, it's not 100 messages every day uh, and phone calls every day. It's just, just a little bit more. Uh, yeah. I think just in, in general, there's more attention in Norway. Uh, we went from being one of the smallest clubs in the league to being one of the biggest clubs in the league or the biggest club uh, the last kind of year. Or not the biggest club, but the best team the last yeah. year. There's been a lot of more attention um, around with it anyway. And of course, there's on social media, there's more people caring, but I think there's always, um, yeah, what can I say? It's always been a little bit of that. But, you know, um, kind of hipsters who wants to just have a team that no one else care about uh, the same way I uh, say I support them Donny Rovers it's just I'm not going to the games I don't have any uh, <laughs> scar shirts I just say it because it's it's a fun thing to do you know and I think there's yeah. people the same thing around the world with Dudelin because it's, it's a small club and, and kind of a uh, underdog story uh, so but there isn't there's not a big international interest for Bodeland yet. It's, it's, we're not on the same level as, as the big teams in, in Europe. 
Yeah. Um. So just just a final few questions here. Um. What do you think? Well, what do you think Glimt will look like, say, in three or four years? There's lots of clubs circling for not just key players, but now your manager and last season finishing runners up to a, a well, an amazing Molder side. Mm. So, um, what what do you think the future looks like for Glimt now? Do you think they can keep up this success? Yeah, part of me wants to say that we probably get relegated the next few years and. Uh... <laughs> getting tired but but i don't think we will because there's uh, the club is solid now and this yeah. is a it's, it's, we're, we're here to stay uh that doesn't mean that i i say we will win the league every season or we will finish top three every season we probably won't do that forever you know what i mean but i think we uh will be there for some years now uh, we won the league twice we have two second places to last Four years, and I think we will again this year uh, be an amazing team. We have a really, really great team. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know if we will win the league because I don't know how good Molde is or Rusnberg is, but I probably I think we will will be up there. But uh, one of the things that we do in Bolivia is avoiding talking about the results and trying to think about. Um, getting better and development so uh, if we do that getting better being better every day and uh, the results will come naturally yeah so um, i think um in some years we probably what can i say i think we will be a, a part of the top teams in our for some years now and then i think we will go out in europe and Talking teams again, like we did the last couple of years. Uh, but as yeah. you see, look at the results we had the last two years in Europe. We uh, obviously battled uh, Roma, we were close 90. We did it twice actually in Buda. Uh, we beat them twice, uh, the only team beating Roma in Europe that season. And um, huh. we will probably haunt Jose Mourinho forever. Uh, we also uh, beat Celtic away and at home that season. We beat uh, Asset Altmark. And, and then we lost against Roma well, and um, everything were <laughs> in, in yeah. the case. Uh, there when Jose Mourinho was retired, and we didn't to just uh, run that game for nil and we were out. But if you then look at the results last year or this season, um, I thought we were going to beat Arsenal at home. Arsenal is a great team, but it's just I thought it was going to be. Um, another of those games where big team come here to a small place in Norway for artificial grass and terrible weather and everything but uh, we didn't because I think Arsenal did exactly what they should do to not lose that game and we won one day we played a really good game so, so I'm proud of the game and the night and everything but we didn't win the game and the same with PSV and uh, yeah. same with Lech Poznan. Uh, we lost against the Lech Poznan in the Conference League two weeks ago now. And was, they, I think the teams in Europe are counting us as a better team now than they did one year ago. And that's something we need to uh, figure out how to, to actually compete against the teams in Europe. Because I think teams like Lech Poznan, uh, I think we were the better team in both games. And I think we should have won those, game, uh, those games but we couldn't and yeah. that's 
that's I think that's the next step for Berlin now. Um, trying like really being a team that can compete in Europe. Yeah. Oh well, that, that's really interesting. And and just one last question now. Um, just a bit of a, a fun one uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, if you could have any past player back into the team, uh, who would it be and why? Oh wow. Um, now the last couple of years, the last couple of months, we've been getting a lot of good players back. Uh, actually, uh, with uh, Patrick Bad, who's a national uh, team player from Norway, who went to uh, Lance in uh, France, he yeah. came back. Uh, he's, a, he's a local guy and a great player and a great person. So we're really happy to have him back here. Maris Rude came back from um, Germany. Felix Andrade-Bierkamp came back from Germany. And although uh, all all of them are national team players, so we got a lot of good players back. Um, yeah, but there's some good players around Europe now. We have Ulas Wilbakken in um, Roma. We have Jokin um, Evans who's been in Asset Alkmaar, who's now in Brindy in Denmark. We have Jens Peter Hoedes been around. Uh, he went to also Milan after that game. We played against them. I'm not sure. I think he's in Belgium now playing for Ghent. Um, but I think if I could choose one player to get back and still being in the same um, kind of, uh, yeah, being as good as he were when he left, it would be Philips in Tanaga. Um, yeah. That's the, one of the best players I've ever seen. Brilliant. But there's a lot of players who's left the team recently. He's great players, but uh, I think he is one of the, the players I think yeah, would, yeah. Yeah. Would, Oh, well, um, thank you for this interview. It's been really interesting to get an insight into an amazing club. So what did you guys think of that interview? What what points have you taken away from that? Yeah, well, um, I'd say the thing that I've found like most interesting was not it sort of like really put Bodo Glimt on in, well, especially in recent history, like in the in the eyes of viewers uh, in Europe. Like, as an Arsenal fan, we obviously had Bodo Glimt in our Europa League group this year. And yeah, if it wasn't for their 6-1 win against Roma last season in the in the Conference League, it um like I wouldn't really know much about them, but that sort of put them on on the map and sort of made especially when we went to play them, it's like if they could do if they could beat Roma six one, then I'm expecting a an interesting game, especially at their their ground. Yeah, yeah, I think their home ground is very much a part of their success in in that regard. I mean, obviously from the interview, we heard the story where their mentality wasn't great going into um going into the game, and to still win six one, I think it just shows how much of an effect the maybe it's the weather the the surface or the fans but it definitely has did have an effect on their success in recent history i think yeah it also it sort of made you makes you think like not only does it have an effect on bodo glimt and how they're viewed now sort of within within europe but that is it's showing norwegian football is actually quite a good standard and then you sort of you look at the players that have come from Norway as well. It brings you 
it makes you think that Norway could actually become sort of a big part of European like success within the near future. Yeah, I really think you can sort of see an upcoming golden generation, especially in the national team. But like you said, also in the league, um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of teams now for Norway that can get into these group stages. And I think Bodo Glimp's really the, the ringleader of that. Um, what What's your thoughts, Alicia? Yeah, I think Norway's not really one of them, one of the countries you think of when you think of football. For them to be able to be and so convincingly a club that has been so, so, so successful and you know so much about, for them to be able to beat them, it really does open your eyes up to a whole new world of football. And maybe not just Norway, but you start kind of looking around at these countries that you don't think of as much, but are still pretty successful. Like um, if you go on to like the national teams, you don't think of like Australia, it's a country like that as a footballing nation, but they managed to get to the World Cup. So it kind of opened your eyes to the fact that there is football is big and successful in more countries than just Great Britain and yeah, France, Portugal. Yeah, I think I think the rise of clubs like Brighton and Brentford really help it as well because they they're willing to search anywhere for these high quality players and it sort of just raises the level everywhere because now players in Norway playing for Bodo Glimp know that if they're good they can transfer to these massive clubs. They don't it's not they're not so sort of like stuck, are they? Yeah, you then you then also think that they they're probably gonna to get to that point as a team where they'll be able to start enticing players from sort of uh, your sort of lesser known nations and then make them sort of like yeah. the centre part or the, the spine of the team yeah yeah and then yeah it just raises the overall level of they can sort of maybe not have a monopoly over the Norwegian league but like you know be the sort of shop window for the for the best Norwegian talent yeah and then also being able to do it on a european level yeah is is obviously making those players that are playing for them sort of actually be able to go, essentially be on stage and perform to other teams and i'm not saying that bodo glint would be sort of like a stepping stone for most players but uh i just think that they're on the up that within the next few years it may seem like that but then you sort of look five, ten years down the line and they'd be able to keep hold of the players and actually do a decent sort of amount in Europe, whether it's in the Europa League or Champions League. Yeah, I think yeah, I think if they can keep continue this success, which, well, they haven't been great at in history, but if they can finally have sustained success, then I think they can eventually become one of those clubs that maybe, you know, doesn't doesn't have to, sort of like an Ajax, where, like, they don't have to sell off their best players every season to, like, stay being able to compete. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, uh, what about you, Alicia? What, 
what did you take from the interview? I was quite interested in the their domestic success and yeah. how they became the first uh, Northern Norwegian side in the top division. And I mean, did they say that it was because there wasn't allowed in the top division? Yeah, yeah. Originally, no, no teams from Northern Norway were allowed in the top division because they, they said that they didn't think they'd be able to compete. I suppose in that sense, it's interesting and important that they proved them wrong. They yeah. was able to compete. I mean, they're there now. The, I mean, the past four years have either won it or been runner up. So it's been on that kind of level thinking they couldn't do it for them to turn around and prove that they could it would must have been great for northern norwegian football to have this club kind of put their hands up and say no we can do this yeah they've got kind of your role models we can and we're gonna sustain it and we're gonna prove you wrong yeah yeah and it's like like nicholas said in the interview he was saying that beating roma 6-1 was was great, but he thinks that the most important game in Bodo Glimp's history was when they won that first cup, the first Northern Norwegian team to win any trophy in Norway. Um, I just think, yeah, it's really important that, that they were there to sort of lead the way for Northern Norway in a time where they were prejudiced against quite a lot. Um, yeah, I think as well it must be quite important for for not only obviously that club and Northern Norwegians but even like just Norwegian clubs in general maybe the ones that are a bit lower down that haven't been as successful to like prove to them that you can do it all you need is to be patient and to prove how good you are and you you can get mm. the success yeah yeah and I think I think it also for a lot of clubs in like just their general area, like northern Sweden, Iceland, it sort of shows that like maybe geography isn't everything. You don't have to be in a specific place to be a successful club. Um, and yeah, so do you think that? Uh, do you think that maybe like? they'll inspire Northern Norway to, to become better overall? Do you think you'll start seeing more more clubs maybe around them growing, like following their example? I think you will, won't you? Because it will be kind of like the barriers being broken. You, you can do it. And they'll be in the area of where they'll know the club, they'll know it well. So they might have the people coming through, might be fans of that club or they might be inspired by the club. So you'll see, maybe not now, but in 10 years' time, there'll be a generation of Northern Norwegian footballers and fans who have grown up, been inspired by the club, seen them compete regularly in kind of European competitions. So we'll, again, think, no, we can do this. And yeah. it'll be important, won't it, to keep, if they can keep the momentum going and keep being successful, it'll be important that the club themselves kind of put themselves out there and show to the rest of Northern Norway that, yeah, you can do it and you can 
can continuously be successful. Yeah, yeah. What what's your thoughts, Michael? Yeah, I think Alicia sort of said most of what I was thinking, but he also I'll just add to it that not only will it sort of bring north like northern Norway sort of a, a better standard, but like sort of like your northern uh, Sweden and a lot of teams in a lot of different countries in Europe where they're sort of not not separate from like the areas where all the big teams in that country are, but they're sort of like out of the way. Like that may get them thinking, well, if you look at this team that's outside of a big part of the football in sort of aspect of the country, they sort of come yeah. through and and sort of made the name in that country. Like the only the thing I could sort of think about is sort of if you look at Scotland, you've got sort of like the really northern part of Scotland. Like a team in that area could probably think, well, our nearest team would probably be Inverness. Mm. And and they're they've sort of made a name for themselves in Scotland. But then that gives them motivation because it's like if teams can do it in another country where they're bringing sort of the overall football scope to parts of the country that is, it wouldn't you wouldn't expect it, then they yeah. they can sort of do that for their country. Yeah, I think a really good example is um, East and West Germany as well with um, Union Berlin. They've they've their rise has sort of coincided with Bayer Glimpse really, and they've sort of done it in a similar way, like humble. Fans are very much involved. Players want to stay there, and I think that's that's the future of football for for these teams that aren't you know fighting for Champions Leagues every year and things like that. It's sort of like making a an atmosphere where players want to stay. So it's not yeah. just like oh more money I'll leave because it's the same thing but more money. It's sort of like I want to stay here because the club like means something to them. And I think Bode Glimp has done that pretty well. Yeah, fully fully agree. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for in today's Behind the Badge podcast. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. I really enjoyed making it. I loved working with Nicholas. The story is just so interesting for Bode Glimp as a whole. And yeah, so I'm really I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to um like, subscribe to the podcast and put notifications on for the next episode because you will not want to miss that. Alicia takes the reins as the host for an Irish club steeped in history, Shamrock Rovers. That interview is so, so good. You will not want to miss that. So make sure once again that you have notifications turned on for Behind the Badge, Football's Hidden Gems and we will see you in the next one. Goodbye.